Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. Yeah. Who made the great lights. His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day. His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That was like the best thanks be to God yet. You guys just need to get warmed up. I think that's the secret. Uh, good morning. Uh, we're taking a little pause from our Acts series. We'll, we'll come back to it in, in January. Uh, to have this experiential Sunday and then go into our Advent series. How do, we, how do we cultivate gratitude? How do we become the type of people that when others are around us, they're like, oh, they're a grateful person? Or how do people bump up against our community? Or if you're here as a guest, come away saying, wow, those people are really grateful. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, we have Thanksgiving coming up uh, Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, historians uh, guess and, and estimate that our first kind of Thanksgiving celebration was in 1621. So the pilgrims from the Mayflower, keep this in context as they come together for this feast, lost about half of their people. So it's not happy clappy time. But they're coming together at harvest time, about 90 Native Americans from a local tribe, and they come together to give thanks. And then they continued that rhythm on. Uh, the U.S. Con uh, Constitutional Congress, after they ratified the Constitution, enacted a national day of thanksgiving. So that was practiced in the early parts of our country. And then in 1789, uh, it, it got a little hit and miss because they, they released it to the states. So some states did it. Some states didn't it, but there was no national uh, holiday of Thanksgiving until 1863. A woman named uh, Sarah Hale, she was a well-known editor of a magazine. Uh, we were in the throes of the Civil War, arguably the darkest time in our nation's history. Goes to uh, President Lincoln and says, we need to bring this back. <laughs> we desperately need to bring back a national day of Thanksgiving. So Lincoln said yes, and on October 3rd, 1863, uh, President Lincoln uh, issued uh, a national proclamation of, a, of, of an annual day of Thanksgiving that's always the last Thursday in November that we practice to this day. Uh, a couple months previous to that, Lincoln passed another proclamation of, uh, it was a, appointing a day, no joke, of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Can you guys imagine if any politician from any party did that today, the news media? Hey, we need a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Here's what Lincoln said, kind of sets the tone for what I think he hoped would happen on our National Day of Thanksgiving, and I, and I think he, if he was alive, he would hope would continue to happen. 
We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We've grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for forgiveness. Amen. Uh, President uh, Lincoln, uh, many of the folks that came over in the Mayflower, the early colonists that got in this rhythm of celebrating and practicing gratitude, were followers of Jesus. Uh, and what does this word gratitude mean? I think before we start talking about it, let's define it. Uh, the word uh, means in the Latin, it comes from Latin, it means for thanks or freely. If you've ever noticed the root word of gratitude, you can figure this out, is grace. There's this connection between gratitude and grace. People who struggle to practice gratitude also struggle to appreciate and experience God's grace. Uh, the word in uh, the Greek word for thanksgiving in the Greek literally means good grace, good grace. My working definition for gratitude is being thankful for what we have been given. See, a grateful person is somebody who's thankful for what they've been given, and I argue most of what we have has been given, if not all of it. Another more simple definition, because gratitude looks like attitude, is an attitude shaped by grace. Someone's life, their entire persona, is not by like, I, give me, give me, give me, or I deserve, but just like, whoa, wow, oh my gosh. Frederick Buechner, uh, he, he passed away earlier this year, I think at the age of 93. He's a follower of Jesus, one of my favorite writers. And uh, maybe you, you would wanna read this quote over your Thanksgiving meal, I love it. Uh, if you wanna find it, reach out to me or just Google Frederick Buechner and Grace and this will pop up, it's one of his more famous quotes. He says this, grace is something you can never get but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. A good sleep is grace and so are good dreams. Most tears are grace. The smell of rain is grace. Somebody loving you is grace. Loving someone is grace. Have you ever tried to love somebody? A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. The grace of God means something like, here's your life. You might have never been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here's the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch, like any other gift, the gift of grace can only be yours, only if you reach out and take it. And maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift as well. There's a, there's a word that's the opposite of being a grateful person, and that's the word ingrate. 
That's someone who struggles to express a gratitude. An ingrate is someone who, who takes things for granted. They're entitled. A grateful person sees everything as a gift. An ingrate is sees scarcity. Oh, there's, there's not enough. There's not enough. We have to hoard. The grateful person sees abundance everywhere. There's, there's, there's more than enough. The ingrate asks the question, why me from a victim standpoint? Why me? Why did this happen to me? Why not that person? The grateful person asks, why me from the perspective of gratitude? Like, whoa, why me? Why do I have all of this? I heard this, uh, I saw this illustration recently and it's kind of hung with me. It's very simple. Here's a little piece of paper. What do you, what do you see on this piece of paper? I'll see your ingrates. You're all ingrates. Now, this is the idea of focusing. When you see something, an ingrate focuses on the one thing they don't have or the one thing that's wrong with somebody else or a situation where a grateful person focuses on everything else that's there. That's the difference. An ingrate, as we get to Christmas, is uh, the Scrooge or the, the Grinch before they're transformed. A grateful person is Buddy the Elf. We watch Elf as a, as a rhythm in our family. I would highly recommend it. And there's so many parts of that movie, so many quotable lines. Uh, but I love his persona. I truly think it's the persona of a grateful person. Remember, if you've seen it, when he takes Jovi on the date, and everything in New York City is new to him. And he's like, whoa! He's like, it's the best coffee in the world! And it's like horrible. That's a grateful person. G.K. Chesterton has been called the patron saint of gratitude. He said, gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. It's just like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. John Ortberg, he's a pastor, author. He says that uh, gratitude consists of uh, three things that include the Latin root bene, which is the word for good. Because he said uh, gratitude is a byproduct of an understanding of the goodness of God. And he said, so for gratitude to happen... You have to have a benefactor, and you have to have benefits. So the benefactor, from a Christian perspective, is God. We were doing that earlier. You probably didn't know it. That was an ancient song, an ancient prayer, a rhythm of God's people in Psalm 136. You can use it. Jesus used it. Isn't that profound to think about? And they would get in a rhythm and a cadence of gratitude where they would name things, just everyday gifts. And then the, the people would, would be like, his love endures forever. His chesed, that's the Hebrew word, his faithful love endures forever. That's their anthem of gratitude. Try that at Thanksgiving. Just go around the table and name something and the entire table says, his love endures forever. It's a cadence of gratitude. It's recognizing that there's a benefactor who gives benefits. David, King David in Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. As we say all the time around here, all is grace. All is grace. Anything good and beautiful and true is a gift from God. James, the brother of Jesus, says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly light. So you have a benefactor, and, and who gives benefits, but you have to, for gratitude to happen, you have to have a beneficiary. You have to have someone who receives the benefits. Uh, followers of Jesus see themselves as their core being as beneficiaries of God's grace. Uh, in King David, again, is collecting things for the temple, and people are bringing their gifts, and he says, but who am I 
And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. Or Paul to the Corinthian church says it much more succinctly. He says, what do you have that has not been given? Uh, scholar, uh, theologian Ronald Rollhauser says that, that a saint is one who is fueled by gratitude. Their entire life emanates gratitude. Well, in all due respect to John Ortberg, uh, I would add a fourth, a fourth component, another Benny word. I think for gratitude to happen, we have to have a benediction. That word means good word. We have to name it and notice it and proclaim it. As my friend, my pastor friend Tyler says, gratitude is connecting the gift to the giver and pronouncing it and saying it out loud. Israel, as we study their feast and their festivals, we know what they did as the people. It's, it's really clear in the Old Testament. It's their rhythms, their cadence. One third of it was devoted to gratitude. One third of it to thanksgiving. And as we practice gratitude, it literally, studies show it changes our brain. Our brains are rewired to be able to think differently about ourselves and about God and about the world. And we're transformed from like, the, the Grinch or Scrooge to Buddy the Elf. And we begin to live in a way that we're happy and it's doubled by wonder. So we're gonna, we're gonna have an opportunity in just a second here to, to practice gratitude. Uh, but anytime we practice gratitude, it has two components. So it's very simple. Kids can teach us this stuff. Adults need to be reminded. The first component, anytime we practice gratitude, is we're naming gifts. We're looking around at the gifts in our life and we're naming, that's what the Hebrew word gratitude means, count your gifts, count your gifts. Look around at your life and name it. There's a form of martial arts uh, that talks about a living life and going about martial arts with wide eyes or soft eyes. They see much more broadly. Whoa! That's the idea of gratitude, right? We're, we're living with soft eyes. We're spreading, we're not like, oh, what do I not have? <sighs> Look at everything I have. So there's tons of practices out there. I'm sure you practice gratitude journal, gratitude jars. It's the idea of naming gifts. We wake up in the morning. I'm awake, gift. My brain's working, I can function and like form words and have thoughts, gift. I'm lying in a bed, gift, with sheets that I probably have a washer and dryer, can wash them when they're dirty, gift. I can get up and, wait, I think I have to go to the bathroom. I can actually go to the bathroom. What is this thing, a toilet, gift. And I have plumbing, and it's warm in here, gift, gift, gift. And I think I might have food downstairs, gift. And look at this cute dog, gift. And I think there's Running water that won't make me sick. Gift. This is how you do it. This is what it is. It's looking around and not taking those things for granted. We're not entitled to them. They're all gifts. And when we live with wide eyes and soft eyes, it changes how we see. So that's one component. We name it. The second, this is really simple stuff. We just say thank you. We just, have you noticed in the last couple of years people are saying thank you a lot less? We just say thank you. Remember the nine lepers that Jesus healed? How many came back and said thank you? We wanna be that leper. In Jesus' day, they had these things called the 18 benedictions. That's why I would add the fourth step to it. And in the morning, 18 times, they would have a cadence of thanking God and naming it out loud in their community and their families what God has done in praising God. And at noon, they would do it again. And at bedtime, they would do it again. They would just weave and practice this into their lives. 
And we can do that, we can do that in our families, we can do that starting today. What does it look like to say a good thing? So I was pondering that and then I got this, this email with this video uh, and I was like, perfect. Uh, we had the gift and it truly was a gift. And I see some of my teammates here to go to Open Arms Village recently and you were generous uh, by giving a gift several years ago of a playground and this is a community of about 250 kids that I can't explain to you that literal hell most of these kids came from and the abuse and the poverty and it's life-saving to them to be in this community, become flourishing humans. And so we, get to, we had the gift of going over there and assembling this playground, and they sent us this video to thank us, and I'm like, they're showing us how to say thanks, so check this out. Get a little, uh, anybody else from the team getting a little, I see you Kyle wiping tears away out there. I, I watched it a few times previously and just got all my tears out, but I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for your generosity and open for sending us, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, I, I remember walking around the village a couple days, I shared this with the team, and I'm like, I'm positive these kids are happier than we are. <laughs> They're more grateful, like what is that about? How do we practice that? Uh, I, I learned about this cool thing. Uh, years ago, I'm doing this doctorate on first century uh, Christianity and all that kind of stuff, so you learn a lot about Judaism, and they have this song called Dayenu, and they still, to this day, go online and Google today, there's some incredible videos of them practicing it at their Passover feast, and it's another cadence of Thanksgiving. And they'll name things, uh, they have 15 repetitions of Dayenu where they sing along, and then somebody names something that God has done in their midst. It could be something, you can personalize this in your family or collectively as the Jewish people. And they name it and then everybody's pounding the tables and they're just so excited and they're like, Dainu, Dainu. And that word means it would have been enough. It would have been enough. And this is what they mean by it. And, and maybe think through if, you're, if, you're, if God gifts you with a opportunity to sit down for a feast on Thanksgiving. I mean, not everybody has that opportunity. Let's be clear on that. But if God gifts you that, maybe, maybe think through the lens of, of that dayenu. You sit down and you're like, I have a table. Like, this would be enough to have a table. There's, there's food. Dayenu, that would be enough. It's actually good food. Dayenu. <laughs> There's gravy, dainu, and stuffing, or whatever you're jamming. You're like, dainu, dainu. There's electricity, dainu, and there's probably people I love, dainu. The cowboys are winning, dainu. <laughs> you know, you go on and on. Each of those things is this heart like, it, it would have been enough. It would have been enough, God, just if you did this little small thing. But there's more. There's more, God. You've given more? What? That's Buddy the Elf. What? That's gratitude. 
And we have to practice this because our default, as Augustine said, is to turn inwardly and be Grinches. That's our natural default. So we gotta fight that through the power of the Holy Spirit by practicing gratitude. My grandmother on my mother's side, uh, for, she's passed away numerous years ago, but she would join us as a kid all the way up through my teen years uh, for Christmas. She had a very tough life, lost her husband early on, but she was, her life was drenched with gratitude. And she would always just show up. She was a sweet, sweet woman. And we, we laughed to this day about it because we, we, we gather, you know, like most of you do, and we get all our gifts out. And she would, she would always be shocked that we got her a gift. I'm like, Grandma, every year we give you gifts. We do this. Every year you're getting a gift. We love you. You're awesome. And uh, she had this tradition, like her first gift, she'd take the bow off and put it on her head. It was awesome. And then every single gift, I kid you not, with genuine innocence, she'd be like, for me? <laughs> like, Grandma, yes! That's gratitude. That we don't show up like clingy and I deserve this. For me, God? For me? So we're gonna practice that. I need this in my life. You need it. Pastor Hannah, please save us and show us how to practice this and help us to be people of gratitude. Wow, save us and a bow. That feels really intense. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Hannah. For those of you I haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope, and it's good to be with you this morning. How are we doing? Good, good. You're like, well, I was doing good until you're going to make me do something now during service. It's gonna be okay, I promise. So, like Jess said earlier in the service, this is one of our experiential services where we get to not just kind of sit back and listen and contemplate with our minds and our brains, but we get to kind of do stuff with our bodies and engage our hearts, because we are whole people and we wanna follow Jesus and share his love with our whole selves. So, on the pew next to you, I think on this side, there is a basket. It might be under the pew. And I want you to grab one of the pieces of paper in there. It looks like this. And if you don't have a pen, you can grab a pen in there as well. And then once you grab a paper, pass it on to the person next to you. If you run out of papers in your basket, steal one from the pew before, in front of you or behind you. Well done, following instructions. Good job. Balcony, you guys got it? Cool, awesome. And online, if you're watching with us gathering online, if you go to newhopepdx.org slash prayer, is that right, Jess? Slash prayer, you will also be able to see this there as well, this, this sheet that we're gonna work through. So, I'm going to let you use your phone in church. How about that? Cool. So if you have a smartphone or a phone that has pictures on it, I want you to pull it out. Go to your photo app. I hope none of you use Google Photos. I, I, that just stresses me out, the app. Wow, apparently I, I can't remember my password. Well, luckily I already picked up my photo. If you don't have a phone with you, I want you to just you kind of use your memory and think over the last couple of months. And in your, if you have your phone out, just scroll through your photos. And I want you to look for a photo or a video that sparks gratitude in you. If you're using your memory, just kind of scroll through the last couple of months. Is there a memory or a moment that sparks gratitude in you? Take a minute to look through 
Brain science has taught us that like negativity, kind of seeing the dot in the middle of the paper like John was talking about, that connects to our brain like Velcro immediately. But good things, positive things, that takes three to five seconds, I believe. You can fact check me on that. Three to five seconds for it to kind of actually come and land in us. So it's, it's a practice. We have to, we have to, to work on this and, and meditate on it. All right, you got your photo or your memory? No? Yes? Maybe? Okay, cool. I uh, did this earlier this week. I picked out a photo. I think it's going to come up on the screen here of my friends. We've, you should recognize some of those people if you've been around New Hope for a while. Emily and Kelsey and Chelsea, they used to all work here. And then my housemate, Sari, and then yours truly. We were out to dinner a couple of months ago. And this photo sparked gratitude for me. And what I'm going to invite you to do with your photo or your memory, take out your piece of paper, and we're going to practice Dayenu, the prayer that John was just introducing us to. In those four different circles, you're going to use a pen or a pencil or whatever you have to fill in a response to the little prompt next to it, the first circle. It would have been enough, I wrote, it would have been enough to have one or two good friends. And then in the next circle, but you gave a net of community that holds me. It would have been enough to have food to eat, but you gave variety and choices and flavors to delight in. So I'm gonna give you a couple of minutes now to, to think through that memory, that photo, and, and practice Dayenu with that. It would have been enough for this, but God, you gave this. And if you're really on a roll, go to the back side and keep going with it. I added, it, it would have been enough to just get along with my coworkers, but you gave rich kindred friendships. It would have been enough to have a car to get to the restaurant that we ate at, but you gave me a home just a few minutes walk from places like this. So we're going to give you about two minutes to fill out your own Dayenu prayer.
I'll give you about 30 more seconds. And when you're done, just like when you were in school, look up so I kind of know where, where people are at. Awesome. Thanks for participating. We're going to do, uh, John's going to come back up and share with us about some, some ways to kind of get in the Advent rhythm around here. Um, but we are going to come back to this paper. So you're going to see me again in a few minutes, and we'll, we'll work on the bottom half of that paper. So there's a little teaser for you. I asked John if we were going to do a double five or a single five. I'm, I'm so happy. said we'd figure it out in the moment. So. I feel like I wasn't ready. Can we try again? I wasn't ready for it. Thanks, Anna. I, uh, Hanno alluded to it, but there's really interesting research by this guy named John Gottman. He's actually a marriage expert um, that shows that uh, for every one negative comment or critique, because I know a lot of us are wired that way, and we need you too, right? We need things to be pointed out that aren't right as well. But he says we have a brain negativity bias. So when somebody mentions that thing that needs to be corrected, that's the volume on that has turned way louder than when somebody tells us something that they're grateful for, because we're just bent in like that. So he says the ratio he came up with through like years of research is five to one in our relationships. So if you lead people in work, if you're in a marriage or a friendship relationship, if you, if you have that place that you gotta correct that person or say something hard, make sure you say the five things, that's the balance. And I think, I think of that in my relationship with God. Like I'm much more prone in my prayer life to come and gripe to God about what I don't, the black dot. And am I counterbalancing and cultivating a person of gratitude by naming all the gifts? Um, interesting stuff. We're gonna transition to, to Advent and Christmas a little bit. We wanna, we wanna prepare your hearts for that. Um, there's so much in this season that we can be grateful for. I don't wanna say there's also not hard stuff. Uh, I like to say that the holidays turn up the volume on our joy and our pain. And so I don't want to dismiss that. Uh, there, there's places to lament, but that's another message. We're talking about gratitude today. And if you watch for it during the holiday season, there'll be so much to be grateful for. The, the movie, do you know It's a Wonderful Life? Are you familiar with that movie? Oh, very familiar. Uh, when we got married my, uh, a couple years in, I, I, I mentioned that to my wife, and she's like, I don't think I've ever seen that. And I'm like, I think that's a sin. I think that's sinful. <laughs> You need to, just kidding. Um, but if you're, you're probably familiar with it, George Bailey and Clarence the Angel, and sociologists have studied this movie because it unveils a really interesting aspect of gratitude because he's given the unique perspective of seeing what his world would be and his family and his life would be without him. And I think for, I would say for everyone in here, you're, you're a gift. And God, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you bring, you bring gifts to the people in your life. That's another way of, of, of getting on the side of gratitude, saying, what if, what if I wasn't here? What if this didn't happen or that person wasn't there? We take something away that's a gift and imagine our life without it, it cultivates gratitude. In Advent, um, we celebrate the greatest gift that's ever been given. And so it's a unique opportunity to bring in this practice of gratitude into Advent. What is Advent? That may be a weird term. And if you're new to New Hope or even been around a few years, we're, talking to, we're starting to talk more about the church calendar and we're not trying to freak you out. This is really important stuff. Millions of Christians around the world and throughout history have practiced the church calendar. And we probably, most, most Western Christians know Christmas and Easter. That's all they know of the church calendar. And it's way more robust 
And I want to do a better job of leading you into that. Because what the church calendar is trying to do is every year it starts over and it retells our story as God's people. And it asks asks us to enter into that story anew. It's our story now. And let's reimagine and live in it. So here we go. And I'll preach on this next Sunday as we start our Advent series on the story that we're in. Advent is the beginning of the church calendar. Advent, um, it means the arrival or the coming. The, the phrase is uh, adventurous, redemptorous. It means the coming of the Redeemer. And Advent starts the fourth Sunday before Christmas and ends on Christmas Eve. And uh, here, here's, a little, here's a little pet peeve. Can I share a pet peeve? Is that okay? Do we have time for John's pet peeves? Here, here's one. Um, Christmas uh, starts obviously on the, the 25th, but Christmas isn't just one day. Did you know that? Here's, here's the pet peeve. All right. How long on the church calendar do you think Christmas is? You know the answer to this. Thank you. We sing the song, the 12 days of Christmas. Christmas starts on the 25th and goes all the way through January 5th, the day before Epiphany on the church calendar. Here's my pet peeve, and I'll be honest about my judgmental spirit here. I walk around neighborhoods, and on like the 28th or 29th, I see people with their tree out by the road and taken down, and I just judge them. And I'm just like, oh, no. So here, as a church community, get ready now. This is Sunday prep time. Get your tree and water, and you do not take that tree down till the 5th, January 5th. Some of you are freaking out right now, I know. Like, do we follow Jesus or not, right? This is the church calendar. It's the 12 days of Christmas, not the five days or the six. So when you sneak your tree out, and I'll be walking by some of your houses, I'll know, and we'll have a conversation. There'll be accountability. All right, so uh, Advent also, it's important to know, and we'll talk about this a lot during the series, Advent is not just the coming of their dream where we look back and remember. It is that, but it's also looking forward and hope to the return of our King and the coming the second time. It's always been both. So here are some tools uh, for the Advent season that we're gonna give you to kind of live it out, and we're kind of giving you a prep Sunday here. One is our Advent series that starts next week. Come to church during Advent. That's one thing. It's not a judgy thing. Just come to church. Like we're going to be looking at, at key aspects of the Advent story. That's the name of the series. And we'll start next week with the plot. Um, Advent wreath. So this is something that may be new to some of you. Since I've been here the last seven years, we've really tried to emphasize it. We will have this in our collective worship service. And we'll begin lighting the candles next week. Um, Advent's practice all the way since the 5th century. Advent wreaths have been used for a very long time. We want you to carry this rhythm into your homes as followers of Jesus. Your, your spiritual life doesn't happen here. This is just one small aspect of it. So we want it to be a catalyst in your homes. It's such a simple thing, especially if you have kids and families to carry those rhythms forth. So we're helping you. If you don't have an Advent wreath, you can go today and get free candles so you're already started. And I'm sure you have a wreath. We're Americans. We have like 20 wreaths lying around the house everywhere. So take one of them, put the candles in the middle, and you're done. You have an Advent wreath. And here's how it works. Each of the four Sundays is one word and one candle. You have hope and joy and peace and love are the four candles. And we'll light one each week and have a passage of scripture we'll read in here that aligns with that word. Uh, Jess and her team have prepared a handout for you. You can, you can find it online, take it. Uh, prayers and passages every day of Advent that you can read and pray along, but also it corresponds with the lighting the candle at night. So make a thing of it. Sunday night, gather whoever you're living with. If you're living alone, bring a friend over, light the candle, say a prayer, read the passage. And then on Christmas Eve, this is the Jesus candle. And that's what we'll, we'll light. So we really want to encourage you to carry that practice into your, your home, and we're trying to help you with that. Uh, you have the devotional. Uh, we, on the 8th, 
We have a carol sing right here at 6.30. Every year we, we get the same comments, more Christmas carols, more Christmas carols in the services. And like, we're like, do you just want us to sing Christmas carols for churches all day, every day? So we're trying to go ahead of that and just have a night where we sell out. So come with your kids, your friends, family, invite them, and we're just gonna sing Christmas carols on, on the 8th. And then Christmas Eve is the 24th. Our services are at one and three if you're planning. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is such an amazing time of the year where people's hearts are cracked open a little bit to hear good news, to hear about the kingdom of God that is coming to earth. And don't presume, somebody may want to come with you and give them an invite, you have plenty of time uh, now. The last thing is every year we have an Advent offering and part of what we wanna cultivate as followers of Jesus is radical generosity. The world hoards and consumes and holds to its own. Followers of Jesus give everything away because it's all a gift. It's not ours, we just steward it. So to help you, a lot of people like literally wanna give and like I don't know what to give to. Uh, we try to have a, a project or two from our partners. So this year, so you can begin to pray and think of that, our first local partner is First Image. Uh, this partner works compassionately and graciously with women experiencing unsupported pregnancy and also with those grieving a pregnancy loss. And during this political season of heightened passions, uh, they've had vandalism done and they had one of their places burned and uh, they're our friends and they're for women and they're for babies and they're for people who are hurting and alone and we wanna support them. So we're gonna, part of our offer and go to that. The second is Refugee Care Collective. Uh, my friend Megan kind of started this many years ago. Uh, refugees are, sub, are, are people who are legally entering a country, in our country, because they're fleeing persecution and violence. And a lot of the modern refugees are followers of Jesus. And uh, the church collectively, the church can't agree on much. It's, throughout history, the church has agreed on like, we're for refugees because Jesus was a refugee, you know, shocker. And so we wanna be for these people. And so Refugee Care Collective is a local group and the ones coming in the Portland metro area, imagine they're coming in and they're grateful to be here. They're not gonna die, they're here. It's a country of freedom, they're really grateful. But then they're thrown kind of into an apartment by, by the government, they're trying to do the best they can. They don't have to know the language, they don't even know how to get to the grocery store. So Refugee Care Collective, has like baskets waiting for them and they hook us up with them and we build relationships and we support them. It's a wonderful organization. So uh, this goes above and beyond what you would normally give as followers of Jesus to your church. We'll have a, you'll have opportunities to give throughout this season to practice radical uh, generosity. So that's what we have for you. Um, we, uh, I wanna return though to this idea of preparation. Anything good in life uh, demands preparation. When I go on my backpacking trips every summer, it drives my family nuts, but I have tons of gear, and you don't wanna miss anything. You don't wanna not take your mat or your chair or your sleeping bag or your tent. That'll have catastrophic consequences. So when you're going on something, you prepare, you lay everything out and you get ready for it. I don't know about you, but every year I'm ill-prepared for Advent. And I get through Thanksgiving and I show up at church the next Sunday and they begin to sing Christmas carols and there's trees on stage. I just feel like somebody slapped me across the face. And then I get stressed and I'm like, I got so many gifts to buy. And then it feels like literally from the first Sunday of Advent, I get shot out of a cannon and I land in January. I don't know if I'm alone in that. And I'm not healthier. I'm not more human and I'm stressed and I'm disconnected from God and others and I'm overweight and you know, on and on and on. How do we start now and say, how, do we, how, how can this be a different event? It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be different, and Han is gonna tell us how. Come on up, Han. Again, the oversell, <laughs> John. You got it. But I'm ready for the high five this time. Hey. Oh, that was bad. Okay. All right, I'm back. Get out your card again. 
Like John said, that, that preparation piece is so key because we have the best intentions. We're like, yeah, I want to walk through Advent peacefully and, it, you know, stay connected to God and myself and others. And then just the current of it just sweeps us up and it's January 2nd all of a sudden. So we're going to give you an opportunity in service today to make a plan. Are you excited? We're laughing at me, so that's cool. <laughs> On the bottom of your piece of paper with the Diane New practice, this is just one way to engage in a rhythm this Advent that we are hoping serves you. John mentioned a ton of other opportunities that we have um, and you can find all of those on our website. This is just another prayer practice that we put together for you to stay connected to gratitude throughout the season. So whether that's doing the Dayenu prayer or just some other way of, of connecting the gift to the giver, of, of participating in gratitude this season that makes sense to you, that resonates with you, we invite you to make a plan around that, a daily connection to gratitude. So as you can see at the bottom of your card, so circle one for each section below, and if you're like me and want to get even more specific, use the back of your card to write down an even more specific plan. You've got a who, what, where, when, why on your card, and then some options. These are just kind of options to kind of spark ideas for you. So you can circle, I'm going to do this by myself. Uh, my boyfriend was here for service, and from the stage I was like, I'm going to do it with my boyfriend Alex, sorry, we're roping you into that. Um, and then what, if you're going to write it, you're going to text it, you're going to speak it, you're going to contemplate it, you're going to sing it. Lots of options, but just some ideas, again, to prompt some thought for you. Where am I going to practice gratitude or the Dayenu prayer? Am I going to do it at home, at work, in the car? Am I going to do it um, at the dinner table, at um, when I'm laying in bed at night, and just from my bed I'm going to contemplate about gratitude for the day? When? Morning, midday, evening, or you can get more specific. I'm going to do it um, before going to, to work in the morning or at breakfast or at lunch or at dinner. I want you to have the opportunity to get specific about it. Most importantly, though, we're going to give you a couple of minutes to reflect on why you want to practice gratitude throughout the Advent season. If we don't know why we're doing something, chances are we'll probably stop doing it because it's not going to be convenient. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, okay, it's going to do that thing, but whatever. But if we stay connected and we're clear on why we're participating in something, we're a lot more likely to continue in that rhythm even when it's not something that we're used to doing. So for me, I wrote, why? I want to have the courage to receive God's loving kindness. For me, what gets in the way of gratitude often is I have to kind of enter into my vulnerability yeah, oh, I'm not controlling the goodness in my life. I'm not controlling whether it comes or goes or how it comes to me. And that, for me, is scary. And so to practice gratitude, I kind of have to enter into a courageous posture of trust and vulnerability of God's goodness, of God's loving kindness. So for me, my why to practicing gratitude throughout the Advent season is I want to have the courage to receive God's loving kindness. So you'll have uh, about two minutes now. To, to fill out your plan for how you're going to practice either the Dayenu prayer or how you're going to practice gratitude throughout the Advent season. Sound good? Great, good, good, good. All right.
All right. If you are done with that, I didn't do this during first service, so Ed, I'm kind of throwing you off on this, but um, I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them what your Advent plan is, whether that is you're going to do this and practice gratitude, or if there's just something else that you're like, oh, I think I want to do that prayer and passages thing, or I have this other Advent tradition that I do. What is staying connected to yourself and God and others? What is that going to look like for you this holiday season? So go ahead and turn to the person next to you and, and share that.